0: in improvisational theater there is an adage that says make your partner look good in leadership and business relationships this means you can make personal interactions a win-win situation for both you and your colleagues welcome to partner up with amy carroll speaking with guests and listeners like you Amy uses her wisdom and wit, leading you along the road to success. Now, here is your host, Amy Carroll.
1: Welcome, everyone, to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. As a communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, I'm delighted to be your host and excited to bring you insights and ideas to help you solve your communication conundrums. Now, this is the third episode of my show, Partner Up with Amy Carroll, If you want to find out more about me and what the show is about, feel free to listen to previous episodes either on my website, carolcoaching.com or voiceamerica.com business channel, and be sure to download the app. If you missed last week's show, I interviewed the creator of the Predator Prey Partner Model, my sister, Pat Kirkland. We discussed how Pat's lowest moments were the catalyst to her development of this model and her eventual success. And we also talked about how we both use this model to help clients get more of what they want, more often with less difficulty. Today is a live show. So that means you can connect with us directly. The number to call in with either questions or comments. You ready? Here it is. Plus 1-866-472-5790. I'll give it to you that to you again. Plus Plus one eight six six. Four seven two five seven nine zero, 472 5790 And you might even get a little laser coaching from either myself or my guest. Ah, speaking of my guest, today I'm interviewing my brother, Kevin Carroll. No, I promise it's not going to just be a show of all my siblings, though. <laughs> Who knows? It might, might be for every once in a while. Kevin, welcome. Great to have you on the show.
2: I'm happy to be here, Amy. Thank you
1: now you'll hear in a little while why kevin is the ideal guest for today's topic the partner payoff and before we get to that juicy information i want to start with a little bit of background on kevin he, now he's had three careers out of college he fell into the advertising business and worked on accounts like ocean spray and seagram a very nice combo i would suggest now after 15 years Kevin tired of that, and he launched his own communication training business where he ran seminars for wide ranges of clients, corporate kinds mostly. And Kevin, it was right in that time that that's when you wrote the three books that you have, yeah? Yeah, that's
2: right, Amy. I um, The first book that I wrote with a, a partner of mine, a, a training partner, it was called Make Your Point, which is how to speak clearly and concisely any place, any time. So that was number one.
1: And... I have to say, I use that book a lot because it has that user-friendly presentation diamond model in it for structuring your thoughts and your presentations.
2: Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Everybody seems to really love the diamond format to help organize. At first, it's a thinking tool to organize your thoughts, and then it's a presentation tool. Uh, That was that. And then my second book was What's Your Hook? And What's Your Hook is based on my days in advertising, which is once you have a clear message that you're going to present... Then you got to find a, a hook to make it stick with people and break through the clutter. And a hook could be a personal story. Like, like today, we'll share some personal stories. Right. That helps people remember ideas or analogies or interesting visuals. So all different creative things you can do to get your point to stick with people in a, in a business setting or any setting, really. And the third one was called, uh, it was about innovative thinking, and it was called Think Outside Your Block. Um as opposed to your, um, your the, out of the blo- box, it's out of your blocks, because we so, all have so many blocks that we get hooked on, and we're all creative, we're all innovative, oh. but we don't think so.
1: I hadn't realized, I thought block was refer- referring to your brain.
2: <laughs> uh, oh, uh, no, Actually, it is. If it I'm <laughs> not being clear about that, yeah, think outside your block. So uh, it's that stuff in there that keeps us from, uh, from moving forward.
1: And I don't know if you ever knew this, Kevin, that book, Think Outside Your Block, is so, well, you know, that it's visually exquisite to look at. With all the pictures and the simplicity of it you can see your advertising training in that book that layout of your book is what inspired me to have so many visual pictures in my book right. So thank you for that
2: yeah of course
1: all right so then back to kevin's resume after he left uh he did this 15 years as a corporate trainer and coach Now, you still do that. You dabble in that still a little bit, though. You've really moved into your third career, lasting the last 10 years now. And that, so far as what you're saying, has been the most fun. He and one of his old advertising buddies, Steve, started a board game company in 2010. And to their great surprise and delight, they hit it big with their first game, which is called Tenzi. And you have added, in this 10 years, you've added five more games to it.
2: Yeah, yeah, Tenzi was our big intro, and uh, and as you said, our su- surprise and delight. <laughs> it took off big time, and then uh, we said, "Well, let's see if we can come up with others," and we have since then.
1: Now I know Tenzi well. I love playing Tenzi. Though for the listeners, give them a quick description of Tenzi.
2: Sure, I, I teasingly tell people it makes rock paper scissors look like a Mensa test. It's that simple. <laughs> Um, Tenzi—it's called Tenzi because everybody gets ten dice, uh-huh. and and it's almost like a one hundred yard dash. It's it's that quick. Everybody has their ten dice. Somebody says, "Ready, set, go!" Everybody rolls their dice as fast as possible, and they're trying to collect ten of the same number before anybody else can collect ten of whatever number they're going for. Uh, the average game takes less than thirty seconds, and when you if you're the first one to get it, you yell out "Tenzi," and that's it. It's so simple, and that's one of the reasons it's been so successful.
1: And it is truly frenetic. I mean, the, the frenzy, the energy, the intensity is sh- kind of quite surprising to see, you know, reasonable human beings suddenly turn into.
2: They do. They do. <laughs> they do. <laughs> when they first it? see it, they go, what, it's just a bunch of dice. You're selling a bunch of dice. Anybody can sell a bunch of dice. We said, oh, no, no, <laughs> this is not a bunch of dice. This is tensy. Well, what do you mean? And then we say, well, just give it a try. Uh, we say it's the world's fastest game. And once they try it, they are hooked and they laugh and and we're off to the races. Then.
1: So I want to hear the backstory. How did you develop the game and the business?
2: Sure. What well, I'll I'll take you back to uh, it's, it's funny. I've always loved games ever since I was a, a kid. Uh, I, I would make give me a, a, a pebble and a stick and I'll make nine games out of it. Uh, actually, the uh, my wife of thirty two years. Our first date, we sat on the couch, and for about an hour and a half, we played with my digital watch at the time. <laughs> you know, starting <laughs> and in stopping stuck
1: around. <laughs> you did.
2: You did. If he can entertain me with a digital watch for an hour and a half, I guess he'll be all right. So games have always been a part of me. You know, it's uh, so. So uh, about oh, twelve years ago or so, I had an idea for. It wasn't Tenzi. It was for a different game. No,
1: I have to interrupt you, Kevin. Yes, go ahead. I recall you once telling me something about. Some imaginary friends?
2: Oh, well, yes, yes. Um, when I was younger, even though I had six siblings, you would think I'd have people to hang around with, but I created two more imaginary people, um, uh, they were, and they were both weirdly called Joe. There was Joe, who just went by his first name, and then Joe Balaki, who had he the second name, so I could tell the difference between the two. So if I was outside playing with a stick or a stone or whatever... I would have these three people play, you know, so Joe would be up first and Joe would throw the rock and I would literally throw for Joe, Yeah, you know? right. He, Joe and we'd cheer Joe on and then Joe Balaki would go and, and he was, you know, he had an attitude problem. He didn't do so well. Uh, and then I would come in and I would compete against them. Keep, I'd keep score for all of them. They didn't want to keep score. So I kept score for all of them. And, and interestingly, I won most of the games over those years.
1: <laughs> now, so, I also perfect. find it I find it uh, bizarre that we also had a the youngest sibling in our family's n- name is Joe, except he didn't partake in these games to my knowledge.
2: No, no, he did not. So I don't know <laughs> if I got the name from Joe or I started the name before that. So it's all very, very confusing to me at this
1: point. <laughs> okay. So, all right. Now, 12 years ago.
2: So 12 years ago, I came up with a, an idea for a game. It was not Tenzi. And... Uh, and at that time, I was very much into my corporate coaching and training, uh, and the game ideas was just a, a sideline. And I was on the phone with my business coach, the one the woman who was coaching me on my corporate training and setting objectives and whatnot. And so we were re-meeting, and she said, so how are you coming on your objectives? And I, I kind of mumbled, well, I, 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 I was coming up with a board game. She said, what? What what'd you say? I said, I, I didn't do my objectives because I kind of got sidetracked. I came up with a board game idea. And she was such a wonderful coach. Her name is uh, Jane Pollock. She's fabulous. She's such a listener. She goes, well, tell me more about the, the games. What do you mean? I said, well, I've always loved games. And, and I shared that story. And then she said, well, you need to meet a friend of mine who lives actually probably about five miles away from you, Kevin. And she's a game agent. And I said, a game agent? She goes, yeah, she takes guys like you who have ideas. And she has connections in the business. She shops around the idea. And if she can make a connection, she starts you license your game idea. So I said, well, how great is that? I don't have to actually create the game. I can, you know, license my idea. So um, I had tried a few different game ideas, and ultimately she called me one day and said, guess what? You're in the game business. I sold your game idea, which that one was called Pickles to Penguins. Uh Uh, I sold Pickles to Penguins to a game company. So I had that going for me. I was very excited about it. And then a couple months later, it was actually early December. I was out cutting down a Christmas tree with my family. Do you really and, do that? But they, yeah, in Connecticut, we still do that. We <laughs> wow. cut down Christmas trees. And it's legal, too. Um, and uh, and then I bumped into an old buddy of mine from my advertising business. I hadn't seen him in 10 years. His name is Steve. And, uh, and, hey, how you doing? Good, how you doing? He was there cutting down Christmas trees with his family. And he said, what are you up to? And I, this game thing had just happened. And I said, well, I still do my corporate training, but I think I'm in the game business because and he said, oh, that's interesting. He said, well, I have game ideas. We should get together someday and see if we can come up with something together. I said, sure. Well, six months later, we finally do get together, and we're coming up with ideas, and we're showing it to the agent, and some are okay, some are not so good, and we're, we're working at it. So then I do some research, and I find out that one of the big, big game companies is looking for a dice game. Now, really? If you sell it, yeah. So if you want to sell an idea to a company, a game yeah. company, find out what they're looking for. Uh, the, some companies want Darby, uh, Barbie extensions, some want Hot Wheels. This company said, oh, we're looking for a dice game. And so I went online, bought a bunch of dice games, Steve a bunch of dice, and I said, let's see, let's go our separate ways, see if we can come up with a dice game. So that, that what worked well about that is that we had a, a concept in terms of coming up with a dice game rather than something that was so broad. Right. Two weeks later, we get together. I'll never forget it. We're standing in my living room, and Steve stops by, and he's standing there, and he looks at me, and he kind of smiles and says, I got it.
0: Really?
2: I so, said, what do you mean you got it? He goes, I got the idea. He said, this is, this is going to work. And I said, okay, well, what's the idea? And he said, everybody gets 10 dice, and you roll them as fast as possible, and whoever can collect 10 of the same yells, tensy." And I said, what? Goes, <laughs> I said, that's the big idea? You take 10 <laughs> dice and, and roll them and collect? I mean, it's going to take 30 seconds. He goes, yeah, I know. So uh, he said, um, let's play it. So... So we we played it, and uh, and sure enough, it was it was that instant excitement. I liked it, and we tweaked it a little bit, and then put our prototypes together, and just started to knock on doors after that. So that's how it all came about, uh, just a lot of happenstance and luck, and good timing, and all that.
1: I have to tell you that um, I travel with the game on occasion, and have sometimes given it as gifts to friends. I was visiting a good friend of mine in England over the holidays and we were there with her family of, of all different ages. And so I explained Tenzi to them. We started playing. Oh my God, Kevin, the level of competition. <laughs> it was, there were a couple, I was, I thought I, I'm, I'm going to create, there's going to be right. a breakdown. Right, here.
2: Right,
1: right. And, and, and I would think that that's you. Do you, have you ever used Tenzi in your corporate training? And maybe or, even as a way that you sort of, like, weed, weed out the, the hyper-competitive ones?
2: Well, well, it's funny. Uh, we had a motto at one point, which was Tenzi, tearing, parent, uh, tearing families apart since 2012. <laughs> uh, but we decided to nix that. Um, so, uh, you know, it's what, what's interesting about Tenzi is I've used it in training, but not for, the, for playing the game in the competition. But when the, fir- the game was first coming out and I was teaching my creativity, my Think Outside Your Block uh, course, and Tenzi wasn't well known. And what I would do is I take out bags of dice. You know, I didn't we even though we had the Tenzi package and it was doing well and it was selling, I would just take out bags of dice and I'd say, hey, I have an idea for a, a game that involves rolling 10 dice. It's a speed game. And I kind of explain it as though it was just the beginning of a concept. And I'd say, well, what do you guys what do you think of that about that? And most people said, I, I would keep your day job. That's just not sounding like a good job. And, it was a, it was, and then later on, after lunch, I bring out the actual game and I give everybody an actual game. I said, just so you know, we took that stupid idea, we packaged it, we're selling a whole bunch of them. And, and the message really was, you, you just don't know. You think you know. You, and, and so much of a, a successful new product is more than just the, the game. It's the packaging. It's the price. It's right. how you promote it. Right. So.
1: Right. Yeah. Speaking of promoting, I remember maybe five, seven years ago, you guys had come over, you and Steve traveled to Germany to this big toy fair in Nuremberg. Right, right. Is that like the biggest world fair? It's certainly
2: one of them. It is enormous. I go to toy fair in New York every year and and that I thought was enormous. Well, Nuremberg was probably three toy fairs and and then there's some maybe even bigger ones in Hong Kong, which I've not been to. Enormous. Oh, wow.
1: So- I got to see you guys and I couldn't believe the stark contrast when I got to your booth, there was this cheering and rooting and laughing and screaming. And then next to you is the guy selling this children's educational game. And everyone else is sort of just very professionally standing at their booths and talking to people. And you guys have this friggin' party going on.
2: Yeah. You know, from my corporate, uh, when I was doing the training on communications and and some of the partner things we'll talk about shortly, you know, one of the, uh, I keep two words above my, above my phone. And the two words were energy cells. And it was a constant reminder for me that whenever I pick up the phone, I have good positive energy. And we took that approach when we would, we'd go to these trade shows and I, similar to yourself, I was surprised at how kind of low keyed and professional everything was. And Steve and I made a commitment we said, no, we're going to run our booth like it's an arcade. People are going to come up. <laughs> They're going to have fun. They're going to win games. We're going to hand out games. If there, uh, A lot of times at, at these trade shows, you get discounts. And we said, we're not going to just give a discount. you got to earn your r- discount. And depending on how fast you can roll your TenZ, you're going to get a great discount. <laughs> so what we did was we created constant energy and excitement and laughter at our booth for three days straight. And once you get one person hooked, then this other people feel it's a safe place to go to. And it was like a magnet. And, and we'd have two or three People deep just wanting to play the game, and it really had to do with how we managed that in this in that initial interaction.
1: You know, I your the point you said about energy. I you created a number of years ago this energy scale. Right. Again, insanely simple concept. One to ten, and five levels. One two is bad life. Two th- three four is bad day. Five six is neutral. What I call the minimum professional right. standard, just enough to get the job done without getting fired.
2: Right, right.
1: And then there's the zone, which is the zone of opportunity where you have the most ability to positively influence others. And then OTT, over the top, also right. known in Europe as the American. <laughs>
2: right, 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 right. Too
1: much of a good thing is too much. Right. And, and that serves me so well with my clients because they, so many, and I'm, you probably have the same experience, they think they're in the zone because they're Absolutely. feeling good.
2: Absolutely. Except
1: outside, it's just, yep. it's it, neutral at best.
2: Right. I, I and, see it all. The, yeah, go ahead.
1: And you, I love how you say it's like leaving money on the table because, and we do these experiments with them in the trainings to show them hey, folks, uh, you are going to have a missed opportunity to get what you want if you don't kick up the energy.
2: Right. It's fascinating. You know, when I was working with, on presentation skills with people, and, and I would explain the, the positive energy scale and the importance of getting into the zone. You know, it, it, people have a miscalibration. I think maybe it's because they, they're feeling adrenaline inside themselves when they have to give a presentation. They think they're putting out a lot of energy, but really it's just internalized. And we would videotape them, and they would give their presentation, and I'd say, okay, more energy. And, and they didn't understand why, but they try to give more energy. And I'd say, more energy, more energy. And, the, and energy being anything from volume to expressions to uh uh to gestures. emphasis on words and gestures and um and it's funny because when they hit the zone when they finally got to the zone everybody around the table that was observing them instantly without cueing from anybody said that's it that's it i've listened to you for a long time and they couldn't believe that they go really i feel like i'm yelling and and dancing and carrying on they go no that's really really good so it's It's almost like tuning an instrument that, you know, it's out of tune. It's out of tune. You work on it. And then when you get it into and you go, ah, that's it. Everybody sees it. So jumping into the zone uh, is such a key, simple way to help people improve their relationships and their success in dealing with people.
1: Yeah. I remember working with a group (coughs) of five Swiss German guys. And so the stereotype of a Swiss German is reserved and uh, a bit. um, Yeah. I think reserved is the best word. And they, and so I had this one guy who was showing up in neutral and it was killing him and it was painful. And I kept pushing him. And often the resistance I get is no, Amy, you're American. You want me to be ridiculous over the top. Right, right. I said, okay, let's, let's imagine that's true. <laughs> Would you be willing just to do it You know, for the sheer entertainment value of what ridiculous over the top looks like?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And he's like, I really don't want to, I'm uncomfortable. And you could see he was, his colleagues were there. He could feel it was painful. He, he, was really resisting and he finally agreed to do it. So he does this, what he thought was ridiculous over the top, which right. as you can imagine, we registered in the zone, same thing in a Swiss German environment, those other four colleagues said that was perfect. Right. Even though they could hear him complaining, they knew he didn't like, they knew he felt inauthentic, it still worked. Yeah. And the thing about energy, maybe you said this a minute ago, is that because for better or for worse, energy is contagious.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I had a similar experience. I, uh, the gentleman was from Portugal, and he was in financial services. He was a senior person. They said, "Kevin, would like you to come down and coach this person one on one? He's <clears throat> he's our guy overseas. He's really smart." And uh, sorry,
1: we just we, we're gonna take a break in just a minute, Kev. So, um, give us a story, and then we'll... sure.
2: And if you need to stop me, we'll continue it. Uh, so I was coaching him, and I wanted him to same thing. Wanted him to go over the top, go crazy. And it was so hard for him to do it. So hard, so hard. And I said, no, go, go be ridiculous. So he gets up there and he basically does in the zone. Okay. <laughs> so after all that coaching, he, he got to the zone. He was nowhere close to over the top. Now, if you want to have your break, I'll be happy to continue the story. Afterwards. Okay. So
1: we'll pause at that point. And I'm guessing the audience, you're listening. You're really curious to hear, find out more about Kevin. So you can always check him out at Tenzi.com, and that's T-E-N-Z-I-E.com. Z-I,
2: no E, (laughs) "E." (laughs) Z-I.com. (laughs)
1: T-E-N-Z-I. Okay, skip that version. T-E-N-Z-I. We're going to take a break. We'll be back shortly, and we're going to get deep dive into the partner attitude and payoff.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward
0: slash Voice America. Do you have colleagues, family members, or neighbors that just drive you crazy sometimes? Do you occasionally find yourself feeling disrespected, mistreated, or annoyed by others? As a no-nonsense communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, Amy Carroll may have a solution for you. For over 35 years, Amy has studied status and power dynamics, what sabotages relationships, results, and how to get desired outcomes in business and personal interactions. Make Your Partner Look Good is a philosophy from improvisational theater, as well as Amy's favorite mantra. For the last 20 years, she's been using her superhero powers to inspire individuals and multinationals around the globe to transform their communication and tap into their own partner powers. With concrete behavior changes in voice, body language, words, and attitude, Amy shows clients what to keep and what to change to get more out of what you want more often with less Hassling. Visit carolcoaching.com today. That's C A R R O L L Coaching.com.
1: On the Voice America Business Channel. Be more,
0: achieve more. It's time to future proof your business. Join host Bonnie D. Graham for the Kinetic Enterprise Built to Evolve, presented by Deloitte. SAP Solutions help you transform your business, and we'll start by going in depth with topics and guests built around the four pillars of the Kinetic Enterprise clean, intelligent, inclusive, and responsive move in to the next level with the kinetic enterprise presented by deloitte live every friday at 9 a.m eastern time 6 a.m pacific on the voice america business channel You are listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. We want participation from you. Call into the program today with questions or comments or your own interpersonal communication dilemmas to share. The toll-free number in North America is 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to Amy at carolcoaching.com now back to partner up with amy Carroll. here again is amy
1: welcome back everyone now we were in the middle of a story kevin was telling so kevin give us a little recap and then uh, tell us the rest of the story
2: so i'm coaching this executive this financial services executive he's from portugal and i'm asking him to go over the top like overdo it be ridiculous make a nut out of yourself and it was so 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 difficult so he gets up there and he gives, you know, f- 15 seconds of what he believes is over the top. He, he feels like he's just making a, a, a nut job out of himself. Well, I'm videotaping him. And, I, and I, he did what I see so often is that people basically get into the zone where I go, oh, okay, now it's interesting, but nowhere close to over the top. Well, I said, come on over. Let's, let's take a look at your videotape. I showed him the videotape. And the man... It almost had, honest to God, had a, had a nervous breakdown in a sense. He screamed. He was shocked. He couldn't believe. He said, I, oh my gosh, I thought, I, I thought I did what you did. I thought I was crazy. I thought I was over the top. <clears throat> and all you're, you're showing me that I actually look good. I said, uh-huh. And then here was the reveal. He said, my God, that's been my problem my whole life. He said, my family said, don't embarrass the family. My school said, don't embarrass the school. My church said, don't embarrass the church. My business says, don't embarrass the business. He said, my whole life I felt like i have been in this box and my job was not to ever get out of it and embarrass anybody. He said, I realized that that's why I'm not successfully engaging with clients and and other folks I work with because I'm just so playing it so safe. So that whole, you know, the, the power of videotape is one thing and also the power of just getting into the zone.
1: Extraordinary. Well, Kevin, I want to get more into a deep dive with this model of predator-prey partner, which Pat developed. I'm curious to know, when you're meeting somebody for the first time and you're talking about the model, how do you describe it to them?
2: Well, I, I, I say a few things. I say it's it's the law of the jungle out there, mm-hmm. meaning that it's difficult. There are people that want to take advantage of you. There are people that you sometimes take advantage of. It's difficult. And and probably your biggest challenge in life is managing relationships and managing yourself. But it's very hard to understand that whole map of things and and where you fit in and how you're perceived. I said the predator-prey partner model gives you a very simple graph or road map to see where you're viewed by other people. Do you show up aggressively or in the predator mode or do you, you show up in the prey mode and that's why you get interrupted in meetings and you feel like you're invisible or you don't get the advancement you want or do do you feel like sometimes you're leaving bodies around? Well, it's just a simple way and it's so uh, intuitive. Once you explain it to people and, and, and map it out, they totally get it and they wanna know immediately, how am I seen, how am I seen? So it's really a roadmap in dealing with people and managing how you're seen.
1: And so once you get their buy-in about the curiosity and they're the un, they're they're curious to know how they're showing up, what do you see as some of the benefits? What do you tell them?
2: Oh my gosh, it's, it, uh, you know, I, I teasingly say to them sometimes, you can go through life without a wallet. They go, well, what do you mean? I go, because when you go into partner mode, it, you know the reciprocity, the whole concept of reciprocity. And I did a program, which you may be aware of, called Life's a Boomerang, which is all based on reciprocity. Right. Humans are wired to play back how they've been played to. And if you go into partner mode, the predators, the difficult people you come across, can't resist it. And the prey can't resist it. Uh, and that you start to get people to respond in a way that, uh, that's irresistible. And they give you, as I've heard you say, give you more of what you want more often with less hassle. Right. It's 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 truly. It, there's a price to be paid with it, but it's magical when you can when you can go there and recognize when you're not in in the partner partner mode.
1: We're gonna to go to that other point shortly. The thing about the price to be paid, though, you just triggered a story for me. I hadn't thought of in a long time when you say you can go through life without without a wallet. Well, I went to a gas station once without a wallet and filled up my vehicle without a wallet, and mm. it was. It, and I was already living in Europe and I was in Texas filling up Pat's truck. I went into the store to pay thinking, no problem. I can write a check. Well, because I didn't have a U.S. license, they, this cashier was having none of it. And I was kind of panicking because I knew there was no way for me to reach Pat. Either I didn't have a phone on me or when I think they let me use a phone and I called, she didn't answer. So now I'm stuck at this gas station and I'm having to coach myself, Amy, stay partner, stay partner, stay partner. Cause I, I wanted to get, you know, aggressive and, and arrogant and, you know, kind of, oh, come on, this is ridiculous. And I'm an honest person. That was one temptation. The other was tears because sometimes tears do work and Mm -hmm. people say, well, yeah, it works to be predator. That's true. It works to be prey sometimes. It's true. Mm -hmm. And that's enough for another episode, the cost that we endure when we slip into predator prey. So I forced myself to say, partner. I stayed calm, cool and collected. And in the meantime, people are coming up, passing me by, paying for their gas and leaving the store. And there was a woman who was standing behind me who was hearing the whole story. And so she was hearing my voice. She was hearing how calm I was speaking, that I was being relaxed, maybe making a a joke or something. Mm -hmm. And she interrupted, she said, excuse me, uh, listen, um, I'm happy to pay for your gas and (laughs) you can just write me a check. Oh, wow. Yeah. And she didn't know me from Adam, as they say. Right, right. And that check could have been right. just as rubber, right? Right. And yet she, for whatever reason, was willing to take that risk. Wow. Now, would she have done that, Kevin, if I w- had been aggressive and intimidating? <laughs> maybe not.
2: Uh, certainly not.
1: Right. If if I was crying in a corner, maybe she, it would have mm. been, you know, maybe it's not. That's always kind of yucky when people are kind of that. Yeah,
2: right, right.
1: Pray. So, yeah, that, that me yep. once again...
2: It's remarkable, yeah. Yeah.
1: So let's c- talk about the price that we pay in order to be partner.
2: Sure. Uh, it's it's willing to admit that you may be wrong, <laughs> uh, and that maybe you've been wrong for a long time in your life, and that's hard for people to come to grips with. Um. So I think that's that's a big part of it. Uh. Then it's it's knowing it's changing habits. You know we own our habits. We don't think about our habits. We have we have more habits than we we ever imagined. There's a great line called "Don't." You know the old line is um, "Don't believe everything you what is it see or hear whatever it is." Right. I say to people, "Don't believe everything you think," Oh,
1: nice. because
2: you're misperceiving so so many things. So so we have habits uh, and. And then the other thing, um, the price you have to pay is you have to adapt these new habits. And that's not not easy to do, whether it's, you know, I've coached, as you have too, Amy, people on their handshake to either strengthen it or soften it on eye contact, which is a very intimate thing, either give less of it or give more of it on smiles, on gestures, on all these very intimate things that people own that they think, well, that's just who I am, rather than these are behaviors that I've developed. So the price to be paid is you got to be willing and open to admit maybe you're not right and that you're willing to change a couple of, it doesn't take a lot, but a couple behaviors that will help you find your way to partner.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I talk about some of the price to pay is the willingness, like you just said it to be wrong, the way I say it is putting your ego to the side. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, 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 because it's so satisfying for some personalities, oh, myself yeah. included, to be right. Sure. and And to make the other person wrong. Right. And to and to resist that temptation. And another thing, another price I talk about is that willingness to work on that, to change the habits so that they're the most effective expression possible. And that willingness to go to the partner gym and work on this in right. these small moments and count encounters when you don't feel like it. You don't want to, and you right. think, What's the point? Right. I'm never gonna see this person again.
2: Right.
1: Except it's you know, as I say, it's going to the partner gym.
2: Right. And, and the gym is there all day long, 24 hours a day. There's always <laughs> opportunities, always opportunities to work on your partner skills. Yeah.
1: And people say, well, what's the point of doing it with a complete stranger when I'll never see him again? One, it, it, there's ma- magic could happen. It could turn mm-hmm. out as you want. And even if it doesn't, you're um, creating that new pathway. Right. You know, so uh, it's in a free workout.
2: Yeah, I was coaching uh, an executive recently who was seen in predator mode, and that's why I was working with him. And the line that really helped him see the power of, or a a way to get him into partner. So he bought into it, he understood it, but but the line that really got him was when I shared the concept of view every interaction as the beginning of a long-term relationship. He said, you know, too often I just have these interactions with people and, I, and they're just transactionary. I, I think it's, I'm going to be on to the next one and therefore I don't, I'm not willing to go to partner or I don't think about going to partner. But you've helped shift me to realize, no, this could be the beginning of a, of a longer relationship. And by me thinking about that, almost as if they're a neighbor who's moving in next door, I realize, oh, I need to either soften my behaviors or I need to make some sort of adjustment. So that can help people.
1: Yeah, yeah so kevin i know you are full of partner success stories i'd love for you to share some of them because i haven't you've had either i haven't heard them in a long time or some of them i've never heard of and i know oh. the listeners are going to love them <laughs>
2: yeah. so, and, and it. It. i've got my share of uh, where i have not done it right but okay. uh, some we'll <laughs> yeah uh success stories um the one time oh my gosh you mentioned texas before i was in dallas uh with our dear sister pat we had done a training program and uh and it was late at night, and I, we, were, we were having dinner, and I had had one beer, okay? And uh, and I was conscious, all right, I'm out of state because I I live in Connecticut. I have a Connecticut license. I'm in Texas. I've had one beer, but I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm perfectly fine. And as I'm backing out, I have a sense um, that, oh, this might be a, a one-way street, and I want to make sure I do the right thing. Well, a car passes me in a certain direction. I go, oh, they must be right. So I follow this car down the road the wrong way. So now... <laughs> I'm five seconds into my, my trip, and I'm going down the wrong one-way street <laughs> at night. And I'm thinking, this is not what I, I want. And, and I'm angry, and I, I wanna, and I react. Well, I take the first left I possibly can to get off this one-way. You will find this hard to believe if, you, if, if I hadn't told you the story. I have taken a left onto the light rail system in downtown <laughs> Dallas. It's a train system. And I've, I've gotten off the road. I, am, I, I feel the car go, bum, 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 bum. I'm, on, I'm on freaking train tracks. And, I'm, I'm go, and and now I'm trapped because you can't turn off these things. I literally pass a platform. The platform's about three feet off the ground. I'm looking over to my left. Pat's looking to her right. And I, we see people's shoes. And people are, <laughs> people are yelling down at me, you dumbass, you get off the... I, I, and so now I'm like, how can... I'm, I'm 20 seconds into my trip. I'm, I, I, and then, honest to God... In the distance, I see police. I don't want to see any police. I see three police officers down the road, maybe, maybe whatever, a hundred yards, making a violent arrest on somebody. Somebody is resisting arrest. These three cops are on top of this guy right next to where the rails are. They turn, one guy turns around, a cop turns around, sees me coming down (laughs) with my headlights on the train, on the train tracks. He he thinks this must be a conspiracy or something like that. (laughs) So uh, I'm freaking out. He looks at me as I get closer to him. He goes, pull over. Pull, he's screaming at me. And Pat, <laughs> give her credit to this day, she gave me the essence of the, you know, when I knew the, the predator-prey partner model. She gave me the essence of partner, had to remind me at this point when I was really into my dinosaur brain, she said, Kevin, competent and likable, competent and <laughs> and likable <laughs> so I, I i lower the window and i, I don't you know who knows what's going to happen and as this officer is approaching me i i yell over to him in a in a nice friendly way i go officer i am so sorry i'm not from dallas i am so lost and i, I mean i just gave it all up i don't <laughs> want him guessing who this guy is i want to make sure that he knows right away i'm an idiot you're dealing with an idiot here not not a, 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 a any uh, malevolence so uh so then he goes, all right, will you stay there? And I go, huh? yes, sir. So then he walks back to where the violent arrest is going on, and then he comes, starts back to the car, and I see him take his flashlight and kind of wave it. Now, I took that to mean you can go. Maybe that means you're under arrest, but I took it as a sign, like, <laughs> okay, you, know, you need to move on here. So then I, I move on. So, so by snapping into this concept of, of competent likeable, and likable, and, and truly, believe it or not, as I, I fly home to Connecticut, Uh, Or or no, it was a week later with a a different client. We're at Westchester Airport, we're leaving Westchester Airport, and a cop pulls my buddy over as we're leaving because he kind of went through a stop sign because it's an awkward place there. And he had just gone through the training, my buddy Craig, and I turned to Craig as he's lowering the window for the police officer, I said, Craig, competent and likable. And he simply said, Officer, I am so sorry. I shouldn't, I, I didn't see the sign and I should have. I'm so sorry. He goes, okay, you just got to be more careful and we're off on our way. So
1: brilliant. That's
2: a success story.
1: Oh my God. That's great. Whew. So what if there was something that you said there was a, the coffee story. What was that about?
2: Oh, Oh, a coffee. That was um, interesting. I had taken a training where the gentleman uh, who trained us taught us um, the whole power of in your head when you're in, in challenging situations and threatening situations, maybe you have to give a, a keynote speech in front of hundreds of people, but f- but but understanding that you own the room. And he had us do this bizarre, crazy, over the top aggressive approach, um, which is a story in and of himself, but I'll just tell you that the punchline of it was this concept that we all took, which was it's all gonna be okay because I own the room. I own the room, mm. nothing can happen. So it's really head management. Well, a few few months later, I'm flown out to Illinois to talk to the uh, leadership group of a farmer's uh, cooperative. I don't know much about farming, not much at all. So I'm out there, and I go out there the day before because I want to make sure I get to meet people and get comfortable with the scene and all that. So I go to the, I'm sitting in the back of the room. They have, it's a two-day presentation, and there's a gentleman presenting. I'm in the back of the room sitting next to my client, and the leadership group is up front. And I, I can see this guy presenting. It's not working out too well for him. He's just, he's just, he's just not in his element, doesn't own it at all. And, and I can see the leadership isn't too happy. And, I can, and my client isn't too happy because he turned to me and he said, you better be better than that tomorrow. And I'm like, oh great! Now I got. Now I'm inheriting this knucklehead's problem. (laughs) So I'm. I think I'm staying on a holiday, and and I go back into my room and I do what my old habits were. My old habits were: I take out my content, I take out my notes, I dig into those. I'm like, okay, does this story work? What can I do here? And I'm. And oh, and I'm. I got anxiety and all that. And then I. Then it dawns on me. I go, ah, that guy didn't own the room. Mm. He didn't exude confidence. He wasn't in control. And so much of it is is how you serve something, up, right. not only what you serve up, but how you serve up. So the next morning I wake up early, and as much as inside, I have a concept called Inside Kevin and Outside Kevin. Inside Kevin would like to say Nothing to do with Joe and Joe
1: Block. Yeah, I know.
2: Inside Kevin would like to say under the covers, but Outside Kevin goes, no, 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 no. You need to own the room. So I get there early, and I wanna make sure I'm the first, thing, first person there. Room is all set up. And as soon as the first person walks in, one of the leaders, I walk over, and I'm acting like this is my room, and I'm happy to have you in it. So I'm acting like I'm the host when, in fact, I am the guest. Right. So I will go over and say, oh, hi, my name is Kevin Carroll. I'll be speaking this morning. Oh, hi, Kevin. How are you? Good. And we chat. Another gentleman walks in, and I, and I say hi to him. And then I, I want to introduce these two. They've probably known each other for 30 years. I'm like, <laughs> oh, guys, do you know each other? But I want to give her that whole vibe that, that I got this. I got this. And again, uh, Inside Kevin is still kind of freaking out about what he saw yesterday. Well, what was fascinating was that same client, before I, even get up, um, uh, before I even get up to give my presentation, my client comes over with a smile, and he said, I can tell you're going to have a great speech today. <laughs> now, I knew, I knew what he meant, but I needed more proof. And I said, I was playing it, and I said, how can you tell I'm going to have a great speech? And this was it. He said, I can tell by the way you're having coffee. Oh. And I said, that's where the game was won. Just before the game even happened, the game was won because I was setting up this concept of partner that, hey, I'm in charge, very confident, but warm, friendly, approachable and and it worked. Yeah,
1: yeah. I talk about step in partner before you need it, which is what you just described. Yeah. Yeah. And so the hard work was done for you. You already made the connections. You made your first impressions. They'd already unconsciously decided that they liked you and that you probably had something of value to offer them. Right. So those first three, ten, five minutes of an, ex, which are normally excruciating for someone when they're presenting, did you already feel calmer by the time you started your formal presentation? Oh, absolutely, absolutely,
2: nice. absolutely.
1: Very cool. You know, I want to get to. I we had so many questions we want to get to today. Um, can I already add, invite you back on for another show?
2: I would love to. Sure. Okay. Good. What else right. am so, I doing? I'm selling games now, Amy. <laughs>
1: All right. So before, um, we run out of time, I do want to ask you a, an, about an example where you didn't apply partner and what happened?
2: Uh, well, I'll preface it by saying so often I don't. So often I I'm, I'm emotional. I react so often with the, those that are closest to me. You know, we take from granted and, and I don't use them day in and day out. A lot of times, uh, and my family could line up with stories if you, if you want a lot of stories. But the one <laughs> I remember on. uh, did not involve the family. It was uh, I'm embarrassed to say I was actually run, I was driving to a client to run a communications workshop that particular day. <laughs> it's a, a rainy Monday, I suppose. Uh, not a lot of people on the road. And I'm out there early. And I'm kind of in my head trying to think about the program and all that. And I think I'm probably doing the speed limit. I'm in the middle of a three-lane highway. Uh, maybe a little bit above the speed limit, but, but uh, everything's fine. Well, out of nowhere, somebody cuts me off, like like, like, j- j- right in front of me, and I have to jam on the brakes. So there's nobody else around, and clearly this was uh, a premeditated move by this person. Well, that hijacked my ego. So immediately, I, whether I flashed or I sped up or I tried to pass him, I am engaged. I am engaged. Well, people like that, look for people like me, I think. Now, he wants to be engaged. Right. So he now speeds up and passes me, is in front of me, jams on his brakes. I almost rear-end him. So and this is going on what felt like an eternity and was probably only 30 seconds. But wow. I was clearly in the middle of it. And only then could I, could I recognize, what are you doing, you idiot? Disconnect. And you're, you're afraid, like, okay, that means I've lost. I've lost it. You know, yeah, yeah, you probably lost this one, but you're going to have a much bigger loss unless you disconnect. So I just backed off, and, and that's where one of the examples where I did not use it.
1: Wow. Kevin, we only have a couple of minutes left. So I want to give the listeners a chance to hear from you a recommendation or a suggestion, a call for action to be able to be better partners. I don't know if you – you said you had a lobster story. I don't know if you,
2: you yeah. Well, and- my, So my recommendation is this. One of the things that's fascinated me is the realization that our days are filled – Chock full. Moment we wake up to the moment we go to sleep with misunderstandings and miscommunications. <clears throat> they happen all the time, and we're not aware. We're not aware of ninety percent of them. Uh, I've seen people where they've actually come to agreement. They're both agreeing on something, but as an outside viewer, I knew each story, and I go, "No, they're they're agreeing on something totally different." But they think they're aligned. So my my suggestion. I'll tell you Lobster's story is uh, realize, folks, that. Every day is filled with these misunderstandings and miscommunications. And if you feel like you're getting into a bad situation with somebody, the odds may very well be it was a misunderstanding, it was miscommunicated, right. you misheard something. And what you need to do is back off and and understand and and ask questions before you overreact. And the lobster story was told to me by a woman in one of my classes. She said, "Oh, I got to tell you a story about uh, misunderstandings and whatnot." She said our neighbors had invited us over for a barbecue. Lovely barbecue. Couple, a month later, I said to my husband, "No, oh, we should get some lobsters for them. You know, we'll split some lobsters. We'll have a nice evening." And great, 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 great. So they bring the neighbors over. They have a lovely evening. They have lobsters, and, then the, and the wife is back in the in the house, and the husbands are walking down the driveway. He's chatting with the other husband, and the wife looks out, and they're and they're talking for a while, and and um, and then when the husband came back in, the wife said, "Well, what are you talking to Cliff about, or whatever the guy's name is?" He said, "Oh, we were just talking about things." And I, you know, he gave me the money. He gave me the money for the lobster. She said, "What?" He goes, "Well, he gave me he gave me the money for the lobster." She goes, "Why did he Why did he give you money for the lobster? Because you had said we're going to split some lobsters with them." And, and and she goes, "No, you didn't. You didn't. You didn't ask them for money. They invited us over. I said we'd split some. I mean, literally, we're going to split the lobsters." No. Get over there and do it. so So uh, that's just one example. Yes. And, and there's
1: oh, a Okay. So okay, we've got uh, 20 seconds to wrap up here, Kev. Um, we definitely have to get into more of these stories. My invitation to you, reach out to me, listeners, send an email at amy at carolcoaching.com for your communication challenges and conundrums. Next week, I'll be interviewing Ann Taylor, an executive coach and author of Soft Skills, Hard Results and we're going to be talking about emotional intelligence and emotional mastery of effective leaders. Now, if you're game, I'm going to be on doing a Facebook Live at five minutes past the hour. Feel free to join me then for a little more chatting about this topic. You can always reach out to me on any of my social media channels, Amy Carol Coaching, or my website, carolcoaching.com. Kevin, thanks. It's been a really wonderful conversation.
0: Good to
2: see you again, Amy.
1: Yeah, you too. All right. We'll be in touch soon. And listeners, thanks for tuning in. This is Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Take care, everyone.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Join Amy for another edition next Friday at 7 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, make it a great week. And remember, make your partner look good.